Welcome to Guarding Talk, back on to NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you once again. Great to see you. I guess the uh, the big news has been the rain since last Monday. It has pelted down the weekend. The gardens are loving it. The grass is green. So we might talk about how to look after that grass now that it's coming on a bit in the Indian clover that's going to get in there. Uh, Snow Queen Pothos, a new little plant out, and Chinese money plant just for Chinese New Year. Fair enough. The Chinese money plant. Yes. Does it give you money? I think it gives you luck to then get the money. Oh, right. You've got to do it steps and stages. Prefer the cash, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) And with all that rain we had the weekend, Scott, saw the lawn starting to grow back again. Yeah, they certainly have. The parks are much greener. I know when I drive over to uh, the Magic uh, Carrington, as I go over the bridge, (laughs) past Connolly Oval, uh, the, the pitch square is nice and green because they've been looking after that, but the rest of the oval is just like this brown wasteland. You would have seen the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's most even houses at the moment, or oh, before the weekend, just that, all brown and crunchy underfoot. That's true. You know who's sneaking out at night, uh, you know, probably illegally hosing their lawn because <laughs> it's nice and green. <laughs> we won't name anyone. No name and shaming here. No need to name names. But I can Connolly Park in the next couple of days is going to be, you know, lush green all over, just like a beautiful pitch. We'll have to start mowing the lawn again too. It will be. We'll have to start mowing the lawn again. I'm always talking about this with Todd on Fridays about not over mowing the lawn uh, because if you get it too low and you scalp it. Yep. Yep. I know you're looking at me because I know that's exactly what you do. I th- oh, well, I don't mow the lawn, so oh. I rarely mow it. So <laughs> just someone does it for you. A servant comes and does it for you. <laughs> we yes. just. Yes, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, look, I always say uh, leave it a bit long, but keep it nice and neat so you've got that nice lawn doona to protect the roots, especially important now because we've got the moisture in there, so let's try and keep it in there as long as possible. Uh, the other thing that's going to start growing now and has been pretty dormant until now is the bindi and clover. So I reckon uh, probably by this weekend you're going to start to see the, uh, you know, especially the clover coming out. Yep. So probably a good time this weekend when it's still long to get out there and give that a spray, even as a preventative, just to try and, you know, keep it under control before it does get too bad. Uh, but you do need the leaf of the clover for the, uh, the poison to settle on, so don't mow. Always leave your lawn long, spray for clover, and then give it a mow probably five, you know, six days after that. The next weekend, I guess, is the best time. Right. I was about to say that. So make sure you don't mow first. Yeah. And you need some good sunlight to actually burn that clover away. But I reckon with this uh, this rain, it's going to come on. So good time to get out there now and spray for that. Try and keep it under control before it takes over your lawn. Right. Is it good to spray in the wet or...? No, definitely not. You need, I reckon, ooh, half a day at least uh, for that uh, poison to actually settle onto the leaves of the uh, the plant, of the clover plant, and get absorbed in. All right, so tomorrow morning spray. Not a good idea. No? Why? When's the, when's the rain? You tell me. I'm, well, it rains I'm... tomorrow afternoon. Well, you could do it, but I, I would probably wait, you know, until we know you're going to get a couple of days of good sunlight out there because the sunlight's actually what uh, burns the clover away and, and makes the, the chemical do its work. Excellent. Yeah. So, rule one, Yep. don't mow first. Don't mow, mow first. Don't mow low anyway like you do. Yep, I do mow low. <laughs> that saves me doing it. Well, if you, I see. If I don't too short, not short enough. Then you've got to mow back in a few weeks. Well, see, I don't subscribe to that theory because I reckon if you, it's long and you're neatening it up, yep. Well, it's going to grow after a couple of weeks and it's going to look a bit untidy anyway. But if it's down low, it's still going to get up and look untidy, you know, in a couple of weeks anyway. So I think no matter what height you you do it, you just mow every couple of weeks and keep it nice and high. Right, fair enough. Yeah, okay, right. Try my theory out. See how it goes. I'll, yeah, see how you go. That means I've got to change the thing on the mower and. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot of hard work. 
do off that. <laughs> Just tinker around in the garage. You'll have it done in five minutes. And we've got Ron from Tea Gardens, and he needs advice about getting rid of Pennywatt in his gardens. Hello, Ron. How can we help you? Um, the Pennywatt is not um, like just a few um, heads here and there. It's it's matted. Um, I spoke to various people that said about painting stuff on the leaves. Um, they just don't know where to turn with it. it the stuff's matted. It's grown up through um, other shrubs and plants and stuff to, to try and give you an idea and how much there is. Right. Sounds sounds like there's quite a lot. Uh, yes. What what have you been trying up until now? Um, sprayed it with some uh, Roundup um, in patches, but in this garden there's um, there's other expensive plants and stuff, and a fear of um, overspray and killing them too. Yeah, look, pennywort is a really difficult weed to get rid of, and it's got that nice sort of shiny, glossy um, coating to it as well, which makes the Roundup hard to, you know, difficult to actually absorb into it. Yeah. Uh, but Roundup is the only way to get rid of pennywort in your lawn or in your garden. Uh, one of the big problems with pennywort is it has that lateral root system in under the ground, you've probably noticed, so you, you pull part of it out and it just keeps on going and going and going. And even if you pull out, you know, a clump of it or some leaves, that, that root system's in under the ground and it just sort of springs back up in a different place. It's very difficult to get rid of it. So that's why spraying uh, with Roundup is the best way because it goes down into the system of the plant and kills it completely. Uh, so, look, the people who have given you the advice about, uh, yeah, getting on directly onto the leaves, they've, they've given you the right advice. Uh, I guess the application of it is is very difficult. Like you said, you've got other plants uh, in in the garden. You don't want to be damaged by it. Uh, so you you can if you you know if you've got a nice still morning, uh, go there and very carefully spray with a very heavy droplet, uh, trying not to get it on the other plants. Uh, the other way you can do it is to uh, use a paintbrush and actually paint it uh, over the leaves. Uh, another trick I've heard um, and and tried with pennywort as well is you put on a, a rubber glove and then you put a cotton glove on over the top of that and you can actually dip your fingers into the uh, into the poison and just sort of wipe over the leaves and get that on there directly. Uh, look, the, the other, you know, sort of hint I might be able to give you about it is because it has got that, that very glossy sort of waxy coating to the leaf, uh, I've also heard people say that to go and sort of stomp on it um, and just you know break it up so you get some you know breakages in the leaves where the the poison can be absorbed a little bit more readily. Uh, so look, that might be another avenue for you to explore. But short of just yeah pulling it out um, because that just doesn't seem to work because the way the lateral root system is under the ground, uh, you really just do need to be very very persistent and keep on spraying with Roundup. Yeah. Um, well. The amount of garden and stuff, I'd be there for weeks um, trying to control it. Um, yeah. If I spray it with Roundup or such, do I have to put a um, like a detergent or something in the Roundup to make it stick to the leaves or anything um, in that fashion? Yeah, look, I, th- I think that's a good idea. Uh, again, because it does have that waxy leaf, it's going to roll off very easily. And that's why I've heard people talk about, you know, you know, walking over it if they can and just breaking it up and making, you know, the absorption of the, the chemical into the leaves a little bit more easy. Um, but, yeah, certainly if you put some detergent in there, that'll make it a little bit stickier and uh, it'll just stick onto the leaf and hopefully be absorbed in for you. 
Okay, Scott, thanks for your help. Yeah. Uh, um, if I have any more problems, you'll be the next to know about them. <laughs> look, I don't know that I've given you too much help, Ron, but uh, I, I, look, I think I've confirmed the advice that you've got already. Um, there's yep. no good news with Penny Ward. It is just persistence and uh, just trying to, to get it out of the, the garden. At, uh, yeah, you've got a real problem there, unfortunately. Yeah, um, oh, well, there's persistence or stubbornness or one of them will prevail. <laughs> Aren't they both the same thing, almost? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, good on you, Ron. Thank you for that. Thanks for your help. Cheers, bye-bye. Right, cheers, Ron. doesn't sound good, that penny world. No, no, it's not. Look, you see it up around the beach as well, um, yep. quite often up around the sand dunes of the beach. It gets a nice little yellow flower on it, and the leaves do look sort of, you know, half attractive. <laughs> um, but, yeah, once it's in your garden, because it just spreads out under the ground, um, like almost like bamboo does, uh, yeah, you get some real problems with it. Uh, so, look, if you've got it in your garden, get onto it nice and quick. Uh, don't let it get to the stage, unfortunately, that it's got to in Ron's garden. Doesn't sound pleasant. No, not at all. Not at all. Gardening talk back on to when you are FM. We've got Jill from East Maitland, and she's got a question about hibiscus. Hey, Jill, how can we help you? Hi, Scott. I um I, I want to move this hibiscus, and I don't know whether it's safe to do so. It's um about a metre and a half high, and it's a few years old. Um, I don't want to kill it because it's a really kind of pretty yellow, orangey coloured flower. But yeah, so I just wondered what you what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, look, certainly you can move it. Did you necessarily need to move it right now, or can you wait later in the year? Oh no, I can wait. I can wait. It's just it's got a gardenia beside it, and the gardenia is kind of taking over. You know. Yeah. Look, mm. the, the best time for you to move it's going to be uh, around August uh, All right. this year, you know, just prior to spring. And, uh, look, dig it out, uh, take as much soil with you as possible um, so mm. you're not disturbing the root system. Uh, give it a good prune back as well, probably take about a third of the plant off. Um, right. So that just reduces the stress on the plant when you're moving it um, yeah. into a new hole, no fertiliser or anything, uh, just some good potting mix in there, and then just plenty of water. Hopefully, as it comes into spring, it'll be naturally wanting to you know, shoot off and grow anyway. Mm. And uh, with all that water you're giving it, it, it should be fine. But uh, certainly not at the moment. I'm thinking, uh, you know, if it does heat up again, then it's going to be far too stressed and you'll probably lose it. That's why I always say to wait until those cooler months and just prior to spring, best time to move a plant around. Good. Lovely. Thank you very much for that. Okay. Thank you very mm. much for the call, Jill. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Bye-bye. 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 Then we've got Pat from Rathmines. And a question about the passion fruit. Yes, it's... Absolutely beautiful, growing wild. I've got it running everywhere. I've got two actually, but it never fruited this year. Or it didn't, it's only about a year old, and it hasn't had any fruit either of them. Oh, that, that's not. Now, were they grafted ones you put in pad or just seed grown no. ones? No, I didn't want grafted. I got the normal ones, I don't know what you call them. Yeah, the seed grown ones? Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm wondering if that might have been your problem as well. Uh, the seed-grown uh-huh. ones don't, uh, you know, fruit and flower as quickly as the grafted ones. That's one of the reasons people put in the grafted, because you get a, a fruit straight, you know, straight away in that first season, and you also get, you know, sort of pretty vigorous growth with them too. Yeah, well, this is growing really well. Yeah. Now, tell me about the fertilizer you've been using, or the. Uh, I just put. Um, oh, it's like Dynamic Lifter. I bought it off a guy that sells plants. Mm. Um, but it smells like dynamic lifter. Right. So just a little bit of that around it. Yep. <laughs> and that's, that's about it, and just water it. And, I mean, it's probably the length of 14 feet, 15 feet. I'm not into metres, three, four metres. Yep. And it's going up about two or three metres. 
So it's had, it's had a pretty good little growth spurt then um, in the first uh, year. It's just, it's just growing. Yeah. The other one's not going as much because it's in a pot and it's on the bill fence. Yeah, okay. But yeah, it's, or, and it's okay. Yeah, it's always going to be a little bit difficult there. The other thing I'm, I'm wondering about as well is, uh, you know, the dynamic lifter in inverted commas that you bought from old mate. I'm wondering, uh, you know, the, because of the, the extreme growth of the plant as well, um, passion fruit, uh, what I'm trying to get to, I guess, is there might have been a lot of uh, foul manure in there, and so that's a lot of nitrogen, um, okay. which is creating that, uh, you know, that extreme growth in the plant. And I'm wondering right. if uh, next year you might be better to use uh, a fertiliser that's got a little bit more uh, uh, potash in there, so it's going to promote okay. the flowering, and something a little bit acidic like uh, cow manure as well. Um, okay. Yeah, just to you know, just to even it up and see what happens. The other thing mm-hmm. you can do is you can go and get one of those, um, you know, granular fertilizers as well, the more chemically ones. Uh, yeah. You can get them for you know citrus, um, for instance. I probably wouldn't use the citrus one, but there's other like just a general plant food you can get like that and use on the passion fruit. Uh, yeah, look, if you've got some in the shed, go and have a you know a bit of a squeeze around and see what you can find. Yep, uh, but look, yeah, definitely. I'll just just in case you know whatever he sold you was you know high in nitrogen and, and you know foul manure. I, yep. I'll just you know try and even it up this next year. You'll also have the benefit of you know it is because they're seed grown. You're going to get more fruiting and flowering this next season anyway. Um, okay. And look, last week we were talking to people who'd called in about their passion fruit, and we were just you know saying about how dry it actually has been. A passion fruit do require. Uh, yep. Yeah, a lot yeah, of no, moisture. Water it every day. Yeah, so look, that that's good, and keep on doing that. Uh, but look, I, I think next year it sounds like you're going to have a bumper season. Just uh, modify your uh, your fertilising a little bit, and we'll see how you go. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much, Pat. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Bye. Okay, well, we've got Dallas now from Dungog, and she'd like to mention how her pink flame trees continue to flower during both the drought and the rain. Oh. Hey, Dallas, uh, you've got some good news for us up there. Uh, yes. I just want to report on, on a tree that's done really well during the drought. Yeah. It's a pink flame tree. Yes. And uh, it, if you know it, it has a, a cluster of buds and then they flower two or three or five at a time and uh, and then they go on for, for weeks in this uh, pattern. And um, when, uh, when the rain actually came... Three weeks ago, it put on a, a final flush of flowers uh, uh, from the remaining buds, and uh, and then the leaves came onto the tree. And uh, so it, it's a tree I think would be great for any well-drained area. And how and, how big how big is your flame tree at the moment? Um, probably maximum of six meters, but I've got various sized ones. Uh, Some were retarded because they stayed in pots for far too long. Yes, yes. And, and those are only four metres. Uh, but it's an interesting story about the source of the seeds. I, I found this tree flowering at Taronga Park Zoo yes. 30, 30 years ago and with the assistance of a, 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 um, a worker there. Yes. He said, well, if I'm not looking, you can take a few <laughs> seeds. And so I germinated from those, and that's how I got mine. But since then, I've found a few in this area as well. So just a tree that survived in reasonable soil, but less than half.
half a metre deep, but yes. sitting on shale, which gives it good drainage. Uh, so that, that, that I believe, is important, is the drainage. Uh, but they're a tough tree, and I thought anyone who wants something for summer shade uh, and brilliant pink flowering would be a great a great tree to have. Yeah, so look, are you talking about the Illawarra flame tree here? That, um, is... No. No, you're talking about a different one, are you? A different one. It's a pink Okay, okay. I'll have to look into that a little bit more. But I, I was yeah. down the south coast a couple of weeks ago and the Illawarra flame trees down there were just stunning uh, the way they were still standing out in the uh, in the landscape. Very beautiful. And I'd just like to say it's a great Aussie tradition of turning a blind eye as well. And look what it's done for you. You've got a beautiful plant there. Um, you know, we should make it almost, uh, you know, training in the schools, turning a blind eye. <laughs> Yes, I think he was just helping helping save the planet, really. Yep. And it doesn't do <laughs> any it doesn't do any harm <laughs> before his time. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I think another common name in a book, a tree book, many years ago was lace bark. I think was the, another common name used for it, but I can't think of the botanical name that at the l- moment. But you'll lace- find it in in a, in a book. Yeah, okay, lace bark. You're calling it? I think. Lacebark was an alternative name. Okay, okay. Look, I'll, I'll have a look up uh, about that and um, we'll have a bit of a talk about it in more detail. Yeah, okay. Okay, fantastic. Thank you very much for okay, the call. Scott. Okay, Okay, bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye, Jeez, thanks, Dallas. You shouldn't always turn a blind eye, though. Not always turn a blind eye, but... You know, there's always Occ- Occasionally. Occasionally turn the blind eye. Especially if it's something like... Yeah, getting seeds. some seeds that are yeah. just on the ground anyway. What does it matter? Exactly. Yeah, no one's being harmed in the process. Putting them to good use. Yep. I suppose everyone's going to go to the zoo now and try and get seeds from that yeah. ground. I thought she was going to tell us some story about, you know, the, the chimpanzees or something, sort of wandered <laughs> over and went and got some for her. Just some handed of, them to her politely. Yeah, some <laughs> sort of trained monkey had done it for her. And you got an update about that plant that Dallas was talking about. Yeah, so look, I should have had a bet each way there. The lace bark? Uh, yeah, the lace bark, the uh, pink uh, flame tree, she called it. Yep. And I was halfway there, so I should have had the bet each way on that one. Yep. Because it is actually related to the Illawarra flame tree, but it's uh, the other name for it is Queensland lace bark, which is probably why we don't see it too much down here. Although it will grow down here, but this is about as far south uh, as it will grow. So it's actually a dry rainforest uh, native to eastern Australia and um, up there in, in Queensland. Uh, it's a semi deciduous tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, can get quite tall, so hers is six meters, and that's uh, look. I'm just looking at some stuff that says it can get to thirty meters. Uh, that's probably why, because when it's too far, south, you know, down south here, and the cold just you know stunts its growth a little bit. Yep. Uh, but it sounds like quite a nice tree. Uh, beautiful, beautiful pink flowers all over it, uh, and like the Illawarra flame tree, uh, yeah, it loses its leaves, and then you get the flowers coming on. So you get you know that really stand out of color on it, and then the green leaves come on. So, yeah, look, a, a really nice-looking plant. Uh, sounds like you can actually uh, roast and eat the seeds if you want to. Right. Uh, but the hair in the seed pods apparently can cause irritation to the skin, so it might be a little bit like oh. the the uh, Norfolk Island hibiscus where the seed pods right. puff out and, you know, create a bit of irritation for wear you. Wear gloves. Wear gloves, yeah. Don't, yeah, wear long clothes if you're around there. But, uh, yeah, look, a nice-sounding tree. It sounds like it's pretty tough. Uh, certainly Dallas has had some good luck up there with it uh, in the dry and in the wet. So, um, yeah, not too big either. Six to eight metres around here. Sounds like a good-sized plant. Also named after the cold chisel song. 
Absolutely. Oh, that's not right. No. <laughs> a flamish tree. <laughs> and it sounds like it's easy to grow as well. If you can get a, yeah, the old monkey to bring it over to you from the... Um, from the oh, sorry, the zookeeper, yes, yeah, the zookeeper. Yeah. The zookeeper, zookeeper, bring it over to you, uh, you stick it in the ground and off it goes. So, yeah, good luck to you. All right, excellent. Yeah. You also mentioned, top of the show, Chinese New Year. Yes, yes. The money plant. Yes, Sad- money. Sadly, it doesn't give you money, though. No, sadly, it doesn't. But the uh, the leaves on it look like coins, which is probably why they call it that one. Look, there's a whole lot of different money plants. Uh, you know, there's also Chinese jade as well that people believe, you know, you have near your front door, it brings you luck. Uh, and you have money. This one I'm talking about is called, and I'm going to try and pronounce this, not very good, Pelea peperomioides. It's pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. That's Sounds a, good to me. Yeah, Pelea. Let's just call it Chinese money plant. <laughs> <laughs> Turn the blind eye to that one, won't we? <laughs> uh, look, it's a little bit slow to grow, uh, but it is very, very good inside. Uh, you know, slightly well-lit position. Uh yeah, look, it's certainly around to, to purchase, especially this time of year being uh, Chinese New Year. So a very nice little plant. Don't get too big. Uh, only get to about, oh, what's that, you know, 10? 30 centimetres. 30 centimetres, yeah. Okay, 30 centimetres tall. Uh, you can just give them a little cutback as well every now and again to uh, keep them uh, a little bit small and spread out. Uh, and the other plant that sort of reminds me of is when uh, Ron uh, called up talking about pennywort. It has got that sort of round, nice, shiny leaf to it. Uh, so it may well be, uh, I think it actually is uh, you know, related to pennywort as well. It's like we've got related plants today uh, here on the show. Investigate, see where it is in the family tree. Of yeah, plants. So some genealogy we'll have to do. <laughs> but uh, look, certainly uh, Pelea peperiomoides. I've just absolutely <laughs> wrecked that one up then when I tried to do it. Sounds good to me. Okay, well, that's how you say it then. Then saying that I can't pronounce most words. So, <laughs> so look, yeah, very nice plant to have in the house and hopefully bring you some luck, uh, bring you some cash, like having a little ATM um, in the window. Touch wood. Yeah. It's Gutting Talk back on 2 RFM. We've got Harold from Bonnells Bay. Question about his Waratah plants. Hello, Harold. How can we help you? Yeah, good afternoon. Um, my Waratah looks like it hasn't survived the hot weather at, um, on the last... Uh, 40-plus degree days, it started to go brown, and it's gone brown all over now. Yeah, look, that that sounds what what's happened to it. Because uh, your waratahs, uh, when you see them out in the wild, they are in, I guess, under the you know the canopy of plants. Uh, you yeah. know, the larger trees, uh, often you know in a you know more moist area as well. And uh, look, I, I think it's just been you know very very hot, very very dry. So uh, unfortunately, it, it, it may well have uh, you know gone to uh, the ghost uh, with you. Uh, not really. I'm just trying to think about how you can find out if it is some still some green in the branches. Uh, it might be just get the secateurs and give a little bit of a prune back. If there's still some green in there, uh, persist yeah. and keep on watering it and try and get it back. Um, but if you're starting to you know, see that it's actually quite brown um, in the branches, uh, yeah, look, it might be time to pull it out and start again. Uh, yeah, it's a fairly old tree. It's um, probably over 30 years or before my time. So uh, Okay. Uh, and... Um, I thought about pruning it, and I thought I'll wait till the rain's finished and see if it sprouts by itself. I've seen it sprout at ground level before. Yes. And I thought I'll just wait and see whether it's going to do anything without touching it. But Yeah, so look, you might, you might answer a question for me in that case. Have you often pruned the waratah? Because, I, you know, I always say pruning natives is generally, you know, a, a no-no or only very lightly. So have you pruned yours a number of times? Yeah, I did it about a year ago on the advice of one of the National Park Rangers. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the best year for flowering. I think it had about a dozen flowers on it last year. 
Okay, yeah. So, look, flowering does normally happen on the new growth of a plant. So that uh, sounds like, um, yeah, Waratah is a, uh, a prunable, uh, prunable native. Yeah, so just keep an eye on it. Yeah, just keep an eye on it, yeah. Yeah, all right. Okay. Okay. We'll see how it goes. Okay, thank I hope you. it's a, a little bit more healthy for you, Harold. Okay, thank okay, you. Cheers, bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. We've got Sue from Corlett's, and she's got a question about the blueberry bush. Hello, Sue. How can we help you? Oh, hello. Good mo- Good afternoon. Yes. Um, we have a, a blueberry bush that um, is in a, a really good spot, and it had terrific fruit on it this year, um, and that's finished growing, finished now. Mm-hmm. But when do we trim it? So you can trim it now. Look, the, the good rule of thumb is when a plant's finished fruiting and flowering, that's time to give it a prune. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, so certainly do that one now. You might get some spot fruiting through on it still. So, oh, look, I don't know if you want to, you know, wait till, uh, you know, March, April, just to see if you get a little bit more fruit on there. Um, because okay. blueberries are semi-deciduous, so they will lose some leaves throughout winter and then come back. So you could wait till then as well. Uh, but okay. certainly once you get to the end of March, April, uh, yeah, you can give it a, a good prune then back the then. Then's time to give it a good prune. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah, it's sort of gone crazy with all this um, weather that we've been having. It's about six foot tall now. So I figured that a lot of them don't get to that tall. So yeah, that, that's, about the, that's about the uh, the ceiling um, for your blueberry bush. Um, usually they're a little mm-hmm. bit more compact than that. But, uh, yeah, certainly give it a prune back. You'll get a heap of new uh, fruit and flower on it next year. Excellent. Okay. Good thank you, yes, Sue. Thank you very much. Appreciate the thank call. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Right, cheers, Sue. Guarding talk back on to when you are FM. Scott, we're almost out of time for another week. Anything you'd like to mention before you tootle off? Oh, yes, actually, I I was going to talk about the uh, Snow Queen Pothos. Uh, It's uh, related to Devil's Ivy. Oh. Yeah, Devil's Ivy is a really uh, popular plant around at the moment. And this is a a variation upon that one where, you know, Devil's Ivy usually has the yellow uh, down through the variegation down through the leaves. The Snow Queen Pothos has a more of a white one. Uh, creamy white so very tough like devil's ivy do all the same things it's just a you know a bit of a change up i guess a little bit more you know different color in the house um, but still very very striking and a very very easy plant to grow what was the name of that plant again that was snow queen pothos it's a pathos or pothos no pothos is one uh, yeah i'm thinking pathos yeah no it's very very different but, uh... who am i to correct well <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you did though <laughs> we've got time for one more caller it's terry from edgeworth and he's got a question about a frangipani tree that was destroyed in a bushfire. Oh, Terry, tell us about Hi, it. Scott. How are we going, mate? Good, good. Scotty, um, yeah, we've got a property up north that we're going to retire at this year. We were, but we got completely burnt out. Um, the soil got scorched, and we had a beautiful frangipani tree that we've had. We've had the place for 27 years and mm-hmm. watched it grow over the years. Always gave us flowers. It's a beauty, but um, unfortunately, the fire has just about destroyed every plant that we, that we have. A couple of little roses are coming back, but we're wondering how long we need to... We trim the frangipani back, but do we have to actually chop it right out? Will it, would you think it'll kick in or not? Yeah, Terry, when you prune it back, was there still sap running in it? No, there's no milk left in it. The, the, uh, where we did trim it back, um, the milky sap um, was dried up, and you put your fingers on the branches at the moment you can squash them in you know what i mean oh yeah look it sounds like it's uh you know gone to cactus that one uh look i would have said if there's still some sap running in it yes you'd be fine but if you're saying now that you can actually squash the branches in that's the sort of the death knell of a frangipani that's Um, what i thought yeah the trunk the trunk's still solid yes um but 
Well, yeah. you know, it might be that you just start pruning it back and if you start to get to a point where the sap is running and okay in there, yep. uh, stop yep. then and, uh, you know, try and seal that up and uh, see if the plant comes back. At least yep. the foundations of the, you know, the root system and the trunk are there for the for it to come back. You're not starting from scratch again. Yeah, um, yep. so, we had another couple of ones there and, um, yeah, and one actually did came up from a root and it started to have a frangipani leaf on it from the ground up. Yeah, yeah. And we were hoping this one might do the same. But another, just another little question, Scott. The, of course, it was so hot up there and everything got scorched. And um, we're wondering if we do plant anything, do we have to replace the soil or does the soil, does the soil be okay? Or? Oh, look, the soil should be okay. I wouldn't be yeah. concerned about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, mate. All right, mate. Okay. We'll cross our fingers for it. Yeah, good luck with it, Terry. Thanks, Scott. Okay. We'll all cross our fingers, look for Terry there. Hopefully, yeah, not through. Yeah, not a good story um, for the plants as well. Unfortunately, yeah, I think the gum trees they seem to be a little bit uh, more suited to you know springing back. They're used to that. They're a bit more sturdier. Yeah, they've evolved. Um, the frangipani, um, yeah, look great at losing its leaves in winter, but when the hot fire goes through, uh, that's not what usually happens up in the rainforest in the tropics. No, yeah. Rarely happens in the rainforest, bushfires. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Almost to say unprecedented. Anyway, yes. <laughs> before we get off track, Scott Sharp, that is all for us for another week. Okay. I'll see you next week. Okay, talk Guardian to you talk back on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.